Hello, and welcome to You Lost Me at Namaste, where we discuss all things wellness, well-being, and spirituality at the real world 101 level. I'm your host, master energy healer and well-being alchemist, Michelle Schoenfeld, and I'm thrilled that you are joining me here today for this kind of fun, different show. So when I started this podcast, I really wanted it to be all about basic level information on spirituality, on waking up, on wellness, and all sorts of other health modalities that maybe you wanted to know about but were either too afraid to ask or didn't know where to turn for reliable information, such as how to get your body alkaline, how to clear your chakras, (laughs) if the law of attraction works, and how to apply it to your life to manifest the best life ever. So that's all the kind of topics that we discuss on this podcast. But I also wanted to throw in a little travel and pop culture. And in season one and two, I feel like I definitely did that. I talked about if the Kardashians are good for us. I talked about what's going on in the media, the impact of social media, um, my personal experience with Kate Moss and Sadie Frost, and lots of different things. But I didn't do too much on travel. And so I thought today I would address why I am in Turkey and what my experiences have been like. I get a lot of comments on, you know, just people wanting to know more or asking me to post more pictures of my everyday life and the things that I do here. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and share it with you guys today in a short little episode and just going to call it Discover Turkey. So just to give a little recap of what led me here is when I was done with my cancer journey, I wanted to go someplace I'd never been before, and India and Turkey were the top of my list. So it was August when the doctors told me I could travel after almost a two-year ban, and I definitely wasn't going to India in August. So I came to Turkey. I came with one of my dearest friends. We had a really wonderful time. We had experiences here that changed our lives, both of us. Definitely found big love. I found big love in finding self-love. It was a really impactful experience for me. And my friend found big love in that she met her person and is now, I'm happy to say, married and has a wonderful little girl and lives in Turkey full time. And that's a whole other story that I've talked about and actually hers to tell, but it's a really great story on love. So because of that, I started coming back and forth to Turkey to visit my friend, help her plan her wedding, actually married her at a beautiful hotel called Machekazi, which is in Bodrum, Turkey, where I live now. In fact, I live just about a block away from the hotel itself. And I came and worked with the Life Co., which is one of the top wellness resorts in the world. It's a detox and well-being center that is designed for um, getting your body healthy, cell turnover, regenerating your cells, losing weight, of course, and just really getting yourself back on track. It's mostly juices. It's a raw vegan type place, but they do everything to help mind, body, and spirit get healthy. So I came here. I was a visiting therapist, and then I was a therapist in residence for them, doing energy healing and motivational speaking and chakra work, and also leading nighttime Uh, guided visualizations and morning manifestation walks and sunrise salutations and all sorts of really, really fun wellness retreat type stuff. I loved it. I did that for about two and a half years with them and then just decided I really wanted to stay here because there was something calling to my soul. 
I can't explain it, but I feel like this area of the world is definitely going to be the new wellness, well-being mecca of the world. It definitely has the potential for that. So let me tell you a little bit more about it. So Turkey, (laughs) it's great, right? It's right in the Mediterranean and the Aegean. It sits right next to or across from Greece, also on the Black Sea. And it's a really unique country. And I'm going to keep this basic, of course, because, you know, if you know all about it, great. But if you don't, I'm just going to give kind of a one-on-one on Turkey. So Turkey itself is a pretty young country, less than 100 years old, to be honest, as far as the way it runs now. And it is a country that is both European and Asian. In fact, the Bosphorus, which is the body of water that runs right through Istanbul, divides the two continents. So you can stand on the European side of Istanbul, which is the largest city in Europe, by the way, and look across the water at Asia. You can stand on the Asian side, which is beautiful, and look across the water at Europe. It's very, very cool. And the Bosphorus is salt water that connects the Marmar Sea to the Black Sea. So there's a lot of really amazing history here. Obviously, Istanbul, you have the Hagia Sophia, you have the Blue Mosque, you have history dating back to the you know Ottoman, to the Romans. It was Greece at one point. Like There's so, so, so much history. Troy is here. Um, the origination of Nazar, which is the evil eye, comes from here. Turquoise comes from here. And of course, so much culture that I'm not going to even go into. In fact, Ephesus, which is just south of Izmir, which is on the west coast near the water, Ephesus, is also near there, is where the Virgin Mary's um, home is, where where she lived. So there's Muslim um, culture here in, in religious religious history. There's Christian. There's um, Roman. There, I just can't even tell you how how amazing it is. And it goes back centuries and centuries B.C., centuries and centuries B.C. Really, if you're a history buff and you like antiquities, you want to know about the gladiators, <laughs> you want to know about Troy, you want Greek mythology, whatever, this is the area to come because you can see it firsthand. Amazing, amazing antique theaters are everywhere. Ruins are everywhere. Very, very accessible. So I'm digressing. So where I live is in Bodrum, Turkey. And Bodrum is a peninsula that is in the southwestern part of Turkey, in the province of Mula. Turkey's broken into provinces. And it is beautiful. Think of a peninsula kind of like the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, where you have Cancun and Playa del Carmen and the Riviera Maya, um, again, Tulum, like all that area, right, is on the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. The Bodrum Peninsula is just very common, just referred to as Bodrum, But there's also all these other really amazing little towns and villages that border the sea, that wrap around it. So you have Turkbaku, which is where I live. There's Yalikavuk, which is where the big mega yachts can pull in. It's a beautiful marina, very cosmopolitan, nightclubs, restaurants, um, you know, Madison Avenue, Park Avenue, shopping. (laughs) And of course, beautiful Turkish culture and sea as well. You have Gumushluk which is an artist colony. A lot of um, artists and actresses and models used to come years ago to kind of escape the crowd and paparazzi of Istanbul. Uh, And now that still happens there, of course, but it's definitely more commercialized. But you still have a really beautiful artist colony there. 
And then you have Turgotrace, you have Betez, you have Bodrum Center itself, Toraba. There's so many really great little towns all around the peninsula, and each one has its own kind of identity and its own feel. Where I am, I should have mentioned Gundawan as well, that's nice. Where I live in Turkbaku is kind of known as the Turkish Riviera. It is. It used to be a fishing village. In fact, there weren't even roads originally. I think like 30 years ago, I've heard there weren't even really roads that connected it. You had to access it by boat. And it truly was a fishing village. All of these were actually fishing villages. And um, you still see some of the old stone houses that sit on the water. But then you have these big, beautiful, opulent uh, summer homes. And again, nightclubs and restaurants that are all open air directly on the sea. And a lot of them, you just, it's like a little boardwalk, very thin, beautiful boardwalk. And on one side, you'll have the restaurant and the other side, you'll have where all the tables are and just over the top lighting and ambiance and beautiful flowers and palm trees. And then of course, the beautiful Aegean blue sea is right there. And it's perfectly flat here. The Turkbaku um, Bay is very much like the Caribbean, a lot of the Caribbean, the, the calm side of the Caribbean where it's flat, it's like a lake, which is wonderful. It's That's what I love. I don't love the big waves. Um, I lived on the East Coast for many years, had a beach house in North Carolina for a long time, right on the water. It's beautiful, but huge, huge waves, and you could never really see what was in the water. Here, it's crystal clear. It could be 100 feet deep, and you can still see the bottom, no problem. And another interesting fact, I thought, is you don't have anything slimy here. <laughs> We don't really have jellyfish. There's nothing really slimy to step on. It's very, very salty. And so a lot of the things that we have in North America, you just don't really have growing here. Great fish, of course, but we also don't really have sharks. You can swim at night, swim at midnight, never worry. Um, beautiful sea turtles, just a really, really gorgeous place. So that's why I'm in Turkbaku. Really beautiful. Again, they call it the Turkish Riviera, Turquoise Coast. Um, Gamushluk, which I mentioned earlier, I love love Gamushluk because it is very different. It's not accessible by car. It's walking only. You can drive to a lot, of course, but then you walk down to the sea and it's all the restaurants and art galleries and shops. But there's also the sunken city and castle of Mindos, which sunk a few thousand years ago, actually. And it's where Cleopatra and Mark Anthony and Brutus and that whole cons that love triangle there took place right there. Like Cleopatra was right there. It was very, very cool. And it sunk in an earthquake, but you can still, if you snorkel around it, you can see the doorways underwater and some of the big, big columns. And you can walk on the wall. The top of the castle wall is only a foot to two feet under the water, this beautiful white marble. And so you can walk on it. And it's just a really, really magical place. I definitely feel like I've lived there in a past life, no question. <laughs> and it's known for its little fish restaurants. So most people go there for really amazing fish and um, and other different kinds of seafood that they serve there, like right off the boat, super, super, super fresh. And of course, all the mezes, which are just delicious to die for. <laughs> Being vegan, that's what I eat, of course. But I still appreciate um, the amazing variety of fresh seafood. So that's Bodrum. And then Bodrum Center is a very old city with little tiny windy streets and cobblestones. And there's a gorgeous, gorgeous castle there, which I believe is from about four or 500 AD. Um, again, Alexander the Great came through here. The Romans came through here. There's Roman baths. 
Halicarnassus, which is one of the seven wonders of the world, is here in Bodrum. Um, in Mula, there's Temple to Apollo. There's just so much really great history here. I love it. I love it. So that's where I live. That's what brought me here. Um, the people are amazing. I live in a small little home overlooking the sea. And the my neighbors um, have kind of like a little family compound. And they've been here for generations. And what's interesting, I found out, is that back in the day, um, the family, when they left the land, when they passed away, the really fertile, great farmland where all the mandarins are and the citrus and all the other stuff that they grow in this area, they left to the boys. And the crappy land that was like all rocky and you couldn't really grow anything on it, um, they left to the girls. So what was the crappy land? Uh, the land by the sea that was too rocky. Maybe you know, olive trees grow, but nothing much else. And, uh, you know, there's some goat herders and stuff like that because it's just rocky, but they couldn't grow anything on it. So all the really lush farmland went to the boys and the crappy land went to the girls. Well, that crappy land is now the Turkish Riviera. <laughs> it's now the beautiful, beautiful property that sits along the coast of this gorgeous turquoise water. So a lot of these villagers, the people who live here, who, you know, are very modest, very, um, you know... Uh, I can't even explain, like chickens in the yard and no air conditioning or central heat and wood-burning stoves and cooking every meal from things in the garden, um, that kind of thing, milking their cows for their fresh milk or sharing it with neighbors, having chickens for the eggs, like for real, are actually like multimillionaires. A lot of them are <laughs> because they own all this land. So my neighbors are wonderful. They don't speak any English. Their children also live on little homes on the same property. And they just have welcomed me into their life. They cook for me. They check on me. They invite me for tea. And it's wonderful. Initially, you know, they don't speak any English and I didn't speak any Turkish. Thankfully, now three years later, I, you know, speak enough Turkish that we can have small conversations. And it's it's really wonderful. They call me their their Turkish daughter, and I call them my Turkish mom and dad. My Turche Anam and Turche Baba. <laughs> they are just really, really wonderful people. But that is not um, unusual. The people in this area of the world are just the warmest, kindest, most hospitable, welcoming people I've ever I've ever come across. And I've traveled a decent amount. And really, I just can't even express enough. Um, you know, there is the call to prayer that goes on. A lot of the people here um, come from Muslim backgrounds. And, you know, a lot of Westerners or Americans or North Americans aren't really sure what that means. They don't really understand. They don't understand the call to prayer that goes on during the day because it's really loud, <laughs> this, the microphone from the mosques. And it really just sounds like a beautiful meditation. It's very um, rhythmic and melodic. I, I, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And the people are just so warm. It's just like Aegean, um, welcoming they can't do enough for you. They want to make sure that you're fed. They want to make sure that you're taken care of. Even going shopping, you can go into the highest end store and they're going to offer you tea. You can go into a local little family run market and they're going to offer you tea and a snack. People open their doors, they're watering their grass and they invite you to come over for coffee. Like it really is kind of like stepping back in time with a very modern flair in that neighbors care about each other. Neighbors communicate with each other. There's a sense of community. And I didn't realize how much I missed that. I definitely had that when I lived in Potomac, uh, which is a suburb of DC where I raised my children. 
our families, the families that lived around us were amazing. We traveled together. We had dinners together. Our kids were in and out of each other's houses. But I haven't really had that sense of community when, you know, everybody kind of moved and went their own ways and things just changed. It's the natural part of life, right, is that we have evolution. But even that community wasn't like this. This is like, come in, take off your shoes, sit for a while. This is like, what else can I do for you? Oh, I'm driving this way. Would you like a ride? Let me take you. You know, what's mine is yours. It it just is really wonderful. I have so many strawberries. Let me give you some strawberries. I have so many cherries. Let me give you some cherries. Or even, I only have three, so let me give you one. It's really, really amazing. I can't even explain um, the Aegean, the Turkish culture, the hospitality that's here. And it really also revolves around tea, tea time. Tea is a big part of the culture. And everybody drinks it in really pretty little like tulip-shaped glasses, clear glasses. And you have it mid-morning. You have it in the afternoon. There are tea houses. In fact, there's people who walk around the street with beautiful little trays full of tea glasses. And they just walk around passing it out to the shop owners and people working and you know, if you want one as they walk by, it might be two lira, which is the equivalent of about 20 cents. Um, it, it's just such a really beautiful culture because they relish and take time. Take a moment and breathe. Take a break. Sit and talk to your friend. Talk to your neighbor. Meet somebody new. Or just relax. Like, they really make that a priority. It's hardworking. The people here mostly work six days a week, very long hours. But they take the time to relish the moment and take care of themselves, which I think is really, really wonderful. So I love that about this area. And of course, all the fruits and vegetables are, there's no such thing as GMO here, right? There's no pesticides. There's no GMO. Everything is fresh. Tomatoes taste like the most amazing tomato you've ever had. Artichokes are like twice the size of grapefruits and just delicious. In fact, a lot of people here eat them raw because they're that sweet and delicious. I have apricots falling off the trees, mandarins falling off the trees, pomegranates everywhere, Um, not to mention arugula. I have always loved arugula, but I didn't realize arugula leaves could be huge and sweet. They still have that peppery flavor, but sweet, really amazing. Carrots, so juicy that when you cut them, juice runs onto your cutting board, like juicy carrots. I just can't even explain how different it is. Potatoes, the skin is thin. You can just rub it off with your fingernail because... It hasn't been genetically modified to have a shelf life or travel cross country. So it's really, really natural and delicious. We have so many things in the United States that are GMO that we don't even realize. I have a friend here who lived in LA for 40 years and her husband was actually in charge of the original project, which again was almost 40 years ago. And I think it was for... I can't remember who it was for, if it was Del Monte or DuPont, I don't remember, but was to design a tomato that was round and red and could be shipped cross country without molding, without bruising, without getting soft, without getting damaged. And they did. They did a great job. They genetically engineered these really amazing looking tomatoes that are red and round and don't get spots, but they taste like nothing, right? I mean, I stopped buying tomatoes in the grocery store pretty much in the United States because they just, they might be mealy. They might not have taste. You know, it's, it's so frustrating. We're here things, oh my gosh, the way they taste is just fantastic. Watermelon, the best watermelon I've ever had. <laughs> Need I go on and on? <laughs> I'm digressing, but you can tell how much I love it here. There's like no wonder I feel healthier and wider awake and brighter when I'm here. And I also feel, since this is a spiritual podcast as well to some degree, 
is that I feel very connected here, but it's not just me. Like people come to this area. When I say the new wellness, well-being Mecca of the world, there is something special in the soil here. And it is just, this is an old area of the world. And I think it's similar to like that energy channels that are in Arizona, like Red Rocks, where people go to heal and to meditate and feel connected to the universe (laughs) and themselves and all that. It's the same with this area of Turkey. It is just this magical place that you can't help but just feel like you're healing just by swimming in the sea. And we know that salt water is actually very good for you anyway. Swimming in the sea is such a good detoxifier. It's good for your skin. It helps pull out toxins from your body, from your pores. It's just good for you. Well, here it's so clean. And I just, it's amazing. (laughs) That's all I can say. Book your next trip to Turkey. (laughs) Also the oxygen, it's known to have some of the cleanest air in the world as well. And Bodrum, unfortunately, now they said over 500,000 new people came during the pandemic. Um, They left the big cities in Europe to come here. And so now they're saying that actually Dacha, which is another peninsula a little further south, is what Bodrum was 10 years ago. Like even cleaner, fresh air, just having a high oxygen content, it just makes you feel healthier. It makes you feel more awake, more alert. Um, You sleep better. You have, if you exercise, it's so much easier, if that makes sense. It's so much easier to go for a run or go for a walk or whatever you're doing cardio because you're just absorbing so much more oxygen into your lungs. So that's this area of the world. Um, And up until this year, I really hadn't experienced much other than Bodrum, Dacha, and Istanbul. So I decided this time, since I, I came here this time to work on a project, I haven't really talked about it much publicly, but I was signed to do a 32-episode travel show that it has to do with tourism to Turkey. And they really want to show, it's sponsored by a Turkish-American organization, and they really want to show Turkey in a very modern, positive light because it really is a very modern, cosmopolitan, beautiful country. And a lot of times it gets a bad rap in media or really just like in movies, right? Um, like James Bond, they're showing like the gritty part of Istanbul and the crime and the scary. And of course, any big city has that. And it was made for the movie. Or there'll be a documentary. I think the BBC did a documentary and they show like people who speak a language that nobody else speaks. that has been around for you know a thousand years. And they show the goat herders who are nomadic and don't have any place to live. They just are literally still nomadic. And the people who, you know, cover their heads and have chickens in their yard and um, don't have running water. Like, they're showing that, like, back in time. They don't show the other side of the modern side, the amazing museums, the amazing art, the amazing culture, and gastronomy. Oh, my goodness. The food is fantastic. Again, I'm vegan, but I have met enough people here who just talk about the kofta, which is like a, a meat meatball, the kebab, the spices that are used here. Um, They do such an amazing um, food science, gastronomy way of mixing the meats and the yogurts and the the dairies and the fresh vegetables and just really, really fantastic. And then, of course, you add in the seafood. So they want to have the show to really be about these beautiful areas in Turkey um, that have cosmopolitan nightlife, amazing restaurants. Oh my God, the beaches are to die for. I feel like I'm in a fashion show half the time, watching the latest styles, the newest bags, the most beautiful jewelry. 
and the big yachts that pull up and the music. It's a very big music scene as well. Whether it's live music or DJs, it really is cutting edge. And the biggest resorts in the world have places here. Whether it's Machekazi, which is part of like the Eden Rock, right? From like St. Bart's and that group. You have the Mandarin Oriental. Um, you have Four Seasons, the Ritz-Carlton, the Edition. And then smaller boutique luxury, luxury hotels as well that really cater to a very international crowd. And, and if that's not your scene... They also have camping, right? They also have little boutique hotels. Oh my goodness. I stayed in Marmaris, which is a beautiful coastal town about two and a half hours south of here. I had not been before. I wanted to see their antique um, or their castle and some of the history there. And I got a beautiful hotel. I had the top floor, which was only the fifth floor, glass patio balcony, came with breakfast right on the water, gorgeous beach. And it was literally $31 a night. Now it's a little off season, but it was gorgeous, clean, modern, beautiful bathroom, no problem. Um, definitely not a fashion show, <laughs> um, but exactly what I needed. I needed a place to sleep that was clean and beautiful while I did some day trips and did some site inspections for my upcoming TV project on travel. So again, it, there's anything that you want. You can have opulence, you can have little local, there's bed and breakfasts and pensions and apartments, and of course, Airbnb. And you can pick the big cities or the tourist areas, or you can pick little tiny fishing villages that might only have like one little general store. It really is up to you and what you're looking for. Um, there's really something for everyone, but I can't even emphasize enough the culture. And you will walk away from here going, how did I not have this in my life before? I can't even explain it. I really can't. And I've been to Greece and to the south of France and to Spain and Italy and South America, Central America, the Caribbean. I've traveled a lot, not everywhere by any means, but I've traveled a lot and I've stayed in a lot of luxurious places. And I've also stayed in, you know, the bed and breakfast in Bavaria of Germany. So I'm really open to the experience. And that said, I still have never ever had an experience like I have here in Turkey because there's something for everyone and there's always something um, to do, always something to do. So last weekend, just to share with you, I went to Marmaris and again, there's like a really great Facebook group here for expats. Um, and I put out there, you know, I'm looking to go to Marmaris. What's the easiest way to get there? I don't have a car. And within 10 minutes, somebody offered to drive me, um, a really great couple who retired here from the UK. And I went with them and they dropped me off at my hotel and they went on their way and then picked me up again four days later when they came back to Bodrum. And so I did Marmaris. I did the antique castle, beautifully restored, but still had a lot of the original. Um, gorgeous, gorgeous. I went to Akiyaka, which is more of like kind of an artist, uh, kind of groovy, beautiful village, uh, maybe about 20 minutes from Marmaris. And it's known for this spring-fed river. And I have never seen anything like this. It is a big spring-fed, not big, good size though, spring-fed river that is literally turquoise. Like it looks like the Caribbean turquoise sea, but it's a river. Completely, completely clear turquoise and freezing cold because it's spring-fed. And you take little boats on it if you want to. I actually swam in it because I just felt like this wonderful water that is coming up from the earth that is the cleanest, freshest anywhere. I need to experience this for myself. I need to dunk under it, let it cleanse me and just feel it. I just, I had to, I can't even explain it. I also had met this really beautiful couple 
who invited me to spend the day with them, um, and I'll go into that in a minute, they were wonderful. They moved here about nine months ago from Dusseldorf and Munich. They have Turkish roots, but they've been living in Germany for their life. And um, just got married about four years ago. I'm guessing about 30. Really sweet. And they're the ones who invited me to go to Akiyaka with them. And we started talking about our past. We started talking about, they wanted to know my story. And you know, of course, I talked about my cancer a little bit, my divorce a little bit, my children, um, growing up as a child, losing my brother and sister. All of a sudden, all these like wave of emotion that actually is coming now. As I'm telling you guys this, I'm starting to sweat, actually. I really try not to talk about the past and let it flow through. So <laughs> I'm shaking my hands out right now to let this flow through. So we're talking about this and I start getting hot and sweaty and I just, the girl looks at me and she's like, you want to jump in that water, don't you? And I said, I really do. I can't, I need to like clear this energy. And she's like, go for it. So I literally stripped off my clothes, took off my dress, went and jumped into the river right next to them. And they held my clothes for me and waited. And um, they were so sweet and wonderful. And it was so therapeutic. As an energy healer, it is, you know, it's important for all of us to clear the energy when we're feeling that it's not good. But as an energy healer, sometimes I absorb a lot from the people around me. And I also absorbed some from them because we had had some serious conversations about their lives as well. And I'm around all this old stuff, right? These really beautiful amphitheaters and castles and and um, tombs. Oh my God, these Lycian um, rock tombs. So I had to clear. So it was beautiful. I jumped in this totally turquoise water and swam and just, I can't, just every pore in my body, I felt like I could feel every single cell inside my body and outside. You know how a horse, like when a fly lands on a horse, no matter where it is, it can just like shake that one little area. I think, I know horses and cows can do it, um, maybe dogs, but we can't as people. That's what I felt like. I felt like I could control every little aspect of my body because it was being stimulated by this really wonderful spring-fed water coming up from the earth. I, I should have stayed in it longer, to be honest, but I'm so grateful that I had the time that I did in it. And then, so we did that. And then they asked me if I wanted to go to Cleopatra Island. And oh, bucket list. It is this little island that sits, again, in the Aegean off the coast, only um, accessible by certain boats at certain times. You can't go there um, in your own boat. You have to, it's like a state park kind of thing. And it, it was a Sunday and it wasn't, it was open, but tourists, only tourists were allowed, which sounds weird. Um, Turkey is in a little bit of a lockdown. And so people just aren't going out on Sundays, but for whatever reason, the park was open. So he arranged the, my friend here arranged a private boat for us through you know, the state park. And we went and there was only four of us on the entire island. That was it, four. So you have this beautiful bay of turquoise water. I'm sure you've seen it like in travel blogs, travel shows, Instagram. It's one of those photos that is always out there. Completely white sand, turquoise water. We're the only ones there. Like literally I swam in Cleopatra Bay on the island and I was the only one in the water. Really fantastic. And then there's also um, an antique theater there, an amphitheater built into stone that is 2,500 years old that they are excavating and it was stunning. There's a temple to Apollo. Um, there's an Agora. And I was the only one walking around. The people I was with have seen it all before. So they just wanted to lay and relax. And so I walked around the whole entire island and discovered it on my own. It was truly a magical experience. I'll tell you that trust the universe. You know, I'd been asking for some like different things. I was feeling a little stagnant the last few weeks here because my show is on hold with the pandemic. 
And I had told my family not to come. My, my dad and my stepmother, and my parents were going to come. And I had friends who were going to come. And I was like, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do any of that because I'll be filming this travel show. And then the travel show was put on hold. So I was like, I need to take charge of my own life. I can't be upset about it. I can make decisions and choices for myself. So I started venturing out. Well, as soon as I did that, then I met these amazing people who then took me on this amazing experience. So I'll say, like, trust the universe, set your intention, put it out there, and then when it presents itself, have the courage to take it. Because part of me is like, hmm, I'm really going to get in a car with these people who I don't know, who just invited me. I was like, yep, either way, it's going to be a lesson. <laughs> but I, I had a good feeling about it. I definitely trusted my gut and their energy. It was it was pretty awesome. Um, I also met a delightful girl. I took a tour, um, a 10-hour boat tour. And these are like little river boats. So they're really comfy. They go very, very slow. Think of like a Nile cruise kind of thing that you've seen in movies. And we went to Dalian. And we went and saw the turtles, the big, huge loggerhead turtles. So gorgeous. I did see three. I didn't see any babies, but I did see three of the big loggerhead turtles. And the Lycian, Lycian rock tombs. Google that right now. In fact, if you want to know any of the things I'm talking about besides Google, is you can go to my Instagram pages. I post a lot of pictures and I have highlight, um, little highlight bubbles you can look at. So Michelle Schoenfeld official or you lost me at Namaste. So it's Michelle Schoenfeld official, or you lost me at Namaste. And in my stories, I post a lot of these pictures and then I save them to the highlights. So feel free to go and look. The Lycian Tombs, again, is something that you've probably seen in photos or movies, but didn't know what it was. It is right against the river. There's this huge mountain and it's a sheer face of stone. It's limestone. It's kind of a really pretty kind of sandy amber color. And really high up, are these gorgeous tombs that look like something out of Greek mythology. And they don't look like tombs. They look like huge, like, like the Acropolis, or like just gorgeous, gorgeous buildings with big columns and windows and doors that are carved directly into the mountain. They don't know how they're made. They can't explain it. And they date back 13th to the 13th, 14th to the 13th century BC, people, BC, 13th and 14th century BC, insane. They don't know how they're made. And up until four years ago, you were allowed to um, rappel down to them. And apparently they're complete buildings that you can walk through with rooms and everything carved right into the side of the mountain. Beautiful. What they do know is that there was an earthquake, I don't know if it was two or 3,000 years ago, something like that, and it was such a big earthquake that it shifted the coastline. So this area used to be um, like a harbor that was on the trade route from Egypt. So boats, trade boats used to come through here, so the water level was obviously a lot higher than it is now. Now it's just like a, a river that runs into the sea. It's no longer a port. It's not on any trade routes, that's for sure, uh, because it's inland. And it's all like grassy, marshy area, now inland, not accessible at all, really, from the ocean or from the sea. So I thought that was really interesting, too. I Again, as far as earthquakes go, there are, this is right on the fault line, this area, um, which I didn't know. I've, I've experienced three little earthquakes myself now <laughs> that I've been here. The first one scared me. I had no idea earthquakes were loud. It was really loud, like a rumbling truck, crazy loud. It was 5.2. Um, the other ones I've had have just been small, nothing to concern. But, you know, every... Thousand, couple thousand years, <laughs> there's a big one and it changes the topography of this area. So, anyway, so these are the Lycan tombs, really amazing. And they are from the Hittite people. They um, also 
bonded together or banded together with the people of Troy to help defend against the Persians. Um, they went up against um, the Romans, Alexander the Great, but really the Persians, I think, were the nemesis. And somewhere, I believe, again, don't hold me to this because my tour guide was, so this is another funny thing, is that my tour was all in Russian because there was this two-week period where um, the Ukraine, Ukraine uh, tourists were coming here for holiday, and I happened to be there during this. So I was the only English-speaking person who requested a tour. Everybody else was Ukrainian, and so it was in Russian. <laughs> um, but luckily, my guide has been doing this for 20-some years and took time in between to explain to me what was going on. So somewhere around um, 500 BC, 500, 300 BC, all the people disappeared. The Lycian people completely disappeared. And there's a lot of different theories on what happened from mass suicide to a genocide. They don't know. Um, I think ancient aliens, of course, but they totally disappeared. Everything. They don't know what they look like. There's not carvings of what their facial features looked like. Their, their language totally disappeared. The culture totally disappeared. There is no trace at all of this complete civilization, which was actually one of the biggest um, civilizations in the area next to like the Ephesus area. So all of a sudden just gone. Um, yeah, around, I think around 300 BC, something like that. So really fantastic to make it from 13th and 14th century BC all the way down. But the tombs are beautiful. So that was on the tour. And I went to the mud baths and went to the thermal springs and did all these things in the marmorous Dalian, Akiyaka area. And this weekend I am going to Fetier, which is even further south than that. Um, and then in a couple of weeks, I'll be going to Pamukkale, which are these salt baths that are terraced. Again, turquoise and white terraced salt baths. But there's more antique, there's a whole antique city there that I'm really, really excited to explore as well. So that's just a little bit about Turkey and what I'm doing here. I'm looking out my window now at the sea. It is beautiful. It's a little overcast today, which is incredibly unusual for June. We haven't had any clouds probably in about, I don't know, three weeks. And I have olive trees in my yard, and I'm looking at the beautiful boats. The Bogan Villa here is out of control. Oh my gosh, there's Bogan Villa with trunks that are the size of trees in the U.S. I'm not exaggerating, um, that are over 100 years old. There's olive trees here. An 800-year-old olive tree is not that unusual. There's olive trees here that are close to 2,000 years old. Those, of course, are protected. Um, but if you think about, there's olive trees here that have been growing here since Jesus. Like, literally, that's crazy. And um, oleander, palm trees, it is just lush and green and beautiful. So I'm looking out at that right now. I do have my windows closed so you guys didn't hear all the chickens because for some reason here, they cock-a-doodle-doo <laughs> all day long. It doesn't seem to be like any rhyme or reason. I always thought it was only in the morning that they the roosters went crazy, but they kind of, they call to each other all day long. So I do have my windows closed. So you don't hear that noise, although it might be kind of fun. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'm looking at. That's what I am uh, just wanted to share a little bit of that with you. I, on my list, will also be going to Cappadocia, which is that area, they call it like um, rock. There's like these formations that look like fairy castles, like fairy houses, like huge, big kind of uh, stalagmites. They're not stalagmites, by the way, but there's huge, big rock formations that form these like pyramid little chimney things that um, are carved out on the inside that people lived in hundreds and thousands of years ago as well that have now been made into shops and hotels. And it's where all the hot air balloons are. Again, 
These are probably pictures you've seen a lot of. Just Google Cappadocia. And it's where all the hot air balloons are. So I'm, that's on my list as well. Trebizond, uh, where the tea comes from. Mardun. Oh, Mardun. Wow. And of course, I really want to get to Gobekli Tepe. Uh, if you haven't seen the TV show Sense8, um, no, I'm sorry. It's called The Gift. The Gift. Really fantastic. But Gobekli Tepe is the oldest... Um, uh, the oldest excavation site of a complete like you know city and temple or whatever in the world, and I, I don't remember again. It's you know thousands of years BC old, <laughs> and it's on the border. Um, it's on the border, so I, I haven't really been super eager to get down there. It's really really hot, but I really want to go see Gebekli Tepe for myself. Uh, I just feel like I need to do that. So those are all things that are on my list. And then in the fall, hopefully I will, the travel show will be going and we'll be doing the Black Sea. There's mountains here that you can ski on. There is, the topography of Turkey is amazing. It's lush and beautiful. It is tropical like farmland. It is arid. It, there are mountains with skiing. There are lakes, really, really beautiful lakes, um, rivers, and of course the sea, which I just die over. So I hope that you really enjoyed this little episode, just like a little bit of travel. If you want to come here, DM me. I can point you in the right direction. I'll tell you hands down, and I'm not paid for this a penny, Turkish Airlines is the best. No question. If you're coming to Turkey or really even anywhere in the East or even like places in Africa and Europe, Turkish Airlines is fantastic. So if you're coming to Turkey, definitely look into Turkish Airlines. They're in several cities in the United States, D.C., New York, Chicago, L.A., Houston, Boston. Like there's going to be an airport somewhere near you that you can get to. It is worth it. And I love the flight attendants are wear these really awesome outfits. The food is fantastic, like really fantastic. And to say you love airplane food is kind of crazy, but it's really good. Um, and they have videos on, of course they have like, you know, the TV, like all airlines have where you can watch movies and listen to music and stuff, but they also have two channels. One is Dr. Oz because Dr. Oz is Turkish. Um, you know, Oprah is Dr. Oz dedicated to wellness. So you can do like meditations and little exercises in your seat and like listen to positive stories. There's that channel. And there's another one that it's like discover Turkey and they do little like two minute videos on all the beautiful things like Bursa the Black Sea, Istanbul, um, Nazar, which is the evil eye, turquoise, the markets, and then different towns, Marmaris, Bodrum, you know, wherever. So you can learn a lot about the, the culture and a lot about the country just on your flight over here. So I highly, highly recommend Turkish Airlines. And then um, I do think it's good to get a guide. You don't have to. I didn't. But if you really want to see a lot and uh, make the most of your experience. I think it's always great to have a guide. Again, the majority of people here do speak very good English. It depends where you go, how big the area is, and what time of year you go. So, um, but English is widely spoken here. They do accept dollars. Um, all the, and I would change your money when you get here, or even at the bank. Like you can get money. The Turkish lira is what it is. It's not on the euro. It's Turkish lira. And you can get that from your bank in the United States, no problem. It sometimes takes a couple days for them to order it, but your bank should not charge a fee. So I always like to come with some lira because things like taxi cabs and the smaller markets only take cash, um, lira. So keep that in mind. But in restaurants and uh, hotels, of course, they're going to take your credit card. Um, that's not an issue whatsoever. And... Um, 
Yeah, it's really great. You know, uh, I've had people say, do you have to be covered? What is the dress code like? Can you drink? And it's like, yes, there's restaurants and bars and, you know, drinking is a big, you know, it's, it's um, a big part of the nightlife and enjoying life here. Um, so that's not an issue. I, I do like to buy something at duty free because alcohol is a little more expensive here because it's very highly taxed. Um, but drinking is not a problem. You do not have to be covered by any means. You can wear, if you're a girl, wear your bikini. If you're a guy, wear your tank top. It doesn't matter. You, you know, you can wear whatever you want, but of course you always want to be respectful if you're going into a place of worship. And that is if you're going into a mosque, if you're going into a church, if you're going into a temple, anytime you go into a place of worship, just be respectful. Of course, you know, we want to do that. Whether it's your religion or culture or not, it's just, it's just nice, right? It's just common courtesy. Um, when you get frustrated, don't speak any louder. It doesn't help. <laughs> My grandparents were hysterical. They were from Luxembourg and Germany descent. And we travel in Europe together with my grandparents. And oh my gosh, when somebody didn't understand them, they would just speak extra loud. They were like the Americans from a family vacation, <laughs> National Lampoon family vacation. So just don't, you don't need to speak any louder. Um, and yeah, I'm not really sure what else to say other than you can tell how much I love it. Thank you for indulging me. I hope that you really enjoyed this episode. If you have personal questions or you want to know more, ask me. Um, I've, you know, I love talking about it. I, like I said, I've met so many wonderful people here and um, I'm excited. I'm meeting the Minister of Tourism pretty soon, which is uh, a meeting that's being made for me, my good friend Seville at Turkish Airlines, through the ambassador, the new ambassador from Turkey to the U.S., who I met in March. And um, so I am pretty well connected and I'm happy to point you in the right direction. Um, and... Gosh, what else? Like, I love having guests because it keeps you rolling uh, and I, people think to ask questions. So I'm trying to think of all the bases that I, I could cover with you guys here. But just do it. Book your trip. Fall is my favorite. September, October, and then again, May and June. July and August are hot and busy and crowded and crazy. <laughs> but if you're looking for that, if you're looking for really amazing nightlife and a lot of energy and packed restaurants and you just feed off the vibe of people, then definitely come in July in August. Um, even this July and August, things are opened. So on Sundays, they're closed right now, but that should change in July. But the rest of the time, they're open. And again, September, October, it gets a little cooler. Um, it's a little less touristy, but you still have a beautiful time to experience. The sea is really warm because it's coming off of summer. And of course, I love May and June because you have all the spring flowers and all the new fruits and everybody is fresh and excited for the season to come. So that would be my recommendation. And if you're looking for nightlife, it doesn't really matter. Go to Istanbul in January. You'll have a great time. <laughs> Istanbul really is a magical, magical city. It's a must-see. If you're coming to do um, the history or the sea, like where I am in Bodrum or Marmaris or Fethiye or Antalya or any of that, I would still plan at least a couple night layover in Istanbul. It is historically a must-see. It needs to be on everybody's bucket list. Um, the Asian side, the European side, again, I said the Hagia Sophia, the Blue Mosque, um, just the magic, the true, true magic is like nothing else. It, it really isn't. So, okay, well, that's it for this episode. If you lost me at Namaste, if there's anything else you want to know, like I said, message me at Michelle Schoenfeld Official on Instagram, or you lost me at Namaste. I also have a website. You can email me at Michelle at michelleschoenfeld.com. I'm also a public speaker, motivational speaker. 
So if you're interested in having me come talk on anything at any of your meetings coming up or a corporate event you have, message me through my website. And if you know of a great guest that you think needs to be on this show, if you've listened for a while, you know I've had a girl in the universe. She's fantastic. Gul Sonmez, Gabe Yoga, uh, Eka Brady. I've had just some really great guests. So if you have somebody that you think would also be a great guest who maybe has something that I haven't covered. Um, oh, I forgot Lolly. Oh my God, I love Lolly. All my guests I love. What can I say? I love all my guests. But if you have somebody that you think specializes in something that I haven't done yet, send me a message and I'll do a little phone interview with them and see if I think they'll be a good fit. Because, you know, we're all in this together and, it, and it's always wonderful to share resources. So again, know that you are worthy. You are enough. You were born for a reason. The universe loves you. It does, it does, it does. The best is yet to come. I promise you, things are getting better and better every day. The earth is going through an ascension. We're going through an ascension. It doesn't mean every day feels good because it doesn't, but it's important. We're shedding and emerging, and we're going to come out of this stronger and healthier and happier than ever before. I promise you by next June 2022, you're going to look back and just be like, wow, is my life amazing. Wow, wow, wow. (laughs) So hang in there, drink plenty of water, get a good night's sleep, and just trust the universe. Until next time, I'm your host, Michelle Schoenfeld. Namaste. Thank you for listening to this episode of You Lost Me at Namaste. If you liked it or you like this podcast in general, please take a moment and share the love by dropping me a review, giving me a rating, or sharing it with your friends. The more love and light we can spread, the better our world will be. Thank you, and until next time, namaste.